This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health discussing conception, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In this episode, Jessica Diggs talks with us about birth disparities for African-American women. Jessica will be outlining what birth disparities are, why disparities exist, why we have to pay attention, and what we can do today to help mothers. Jessica Diggs is a donor-certified birth doula, ICEA-trained childbirth educator, and NCM midwifery student. She aspires to become a midwife who works alongside the obstetric and doula communities for collaborative maternity care. Jessica provides evidence-based information to expecting families and believes in freedom of choice based on knowledge of alternatives in childbirth. Along with her birth work, Jessica is also the proud owner of a small child care agency called Child and Friend. Thank you so much for being with us, Jessica. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to have you on and share some really good stuff with the listeners about birth disparities. And I'd love to start off with talking about the event that you hosted with some of your coworkers. Please let us know what the birth disparities event was about. Yeah, of course. So myself, Julia Underwood, and Debbie Allen, a local doula and midwife, respectively, put on an event to bring awareness to the striking birth disparities in this country among African-American women specifically. We were very specific about highlighting it among African-American women and children instead of lumping together people of color. Mm-hmm. because the statistics, just startlingly so, more affect African-American communities, even in comparison to other women of color. Mm-hmm. So the event was to bring awareness to the statistics, to bring awareness to the underlying issue that brings about these statistics in our country, and to bring awareness to the fact that our local Black birth workers and birth professionals still see the effects of these statistics and the effects of racism and prejudice as they work right now in California. Yeah. And thank you for hosting that event. It was pretty powerful. 
And you guys worked so hard to bring all of that together, I'm sure. Oh, you have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) It was an intense day. And you guys did such a good job with with bringing all professionals together and really giving necessary information to people and really, you know, highlighting the things that we should all be attending to. Thank Um, you. Yeah. So for people who are kind of new to this idea of birth disparities and what that means, can you explain in a little bit more detail what birth disparities means and, and the effects that it's having on Black women? Yes, of course. So just the basic definitions, just the word disparities means unequal or noticeable difference in something. In regarding to birth disparities, we have a startling, unequal, noticeable, evidence-based difference in birth outcomes among African-American women and just women of color in general. Mm-hmm. In this country, African American women are four times more likely to die in pregnancy, childbirth, and the early postpartum period. And our infants are three times more likely to die in the first year of life, comparable to any other group of people in this country, particularly white women. So, in terms of the definition of birth disparities, it pretty much addresses that unequal difference in statistics regarding a maternal mortality rate. That's devastating information and devastating to African-American moms and families. Yeah. So in terms of the current understanding of why those numbers are so high, can you give mm-hmm. us some perspective of how this happens and why this is happening? Yeah, definitely. So Those numbers are just devastating, but they are embarrassing (laughs) to be an American citizen. They are Mm -hmm. embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Most countries pride themselves on their low infant and mortality rates, especially developed and industrialized countries like the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, We're one of the most powerful countries in the world, and we have stats comparable to sub-Saharan Africa. And so it's embarrassing. So one of the biggest underlining causes is systemic racism in this country. And there are other things. We can talk about nutrition. We can talk about adequate prenatal care. We can talk about access to prenatal care. But just some stats that kind of just make the nutrition and access to prenatal care argument irrelevant is solely the fact that even women across various economic income levels, so myself who has a four-year college education, a decent income, access to great nutritional care, information because I work in this field, I'm still Mm -hmm. likely and at risk to have premature birth, preterm baby, and be subjective to all of the statistics that I stated previously. So it's not an issue of nutrition and prenatal care. It's an issue of race as a systemic racism. I just heard one of the best analogies I can think of too long ago. And it's essentially that in this country, people of color, and I will group us all together, experience oppression. And what that does is as we come into even the tiniest aspects of racism indirectly or blatantly, we secrete cortisol. Mm-hmm. Because it's an adrenaline rush, it's a fear, it's a tension, it's just an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. And in comparison to other people, we do secrete these things, but not nearly as often as people of color. So we're secreting cortisol every day 
and depending on what circumstance you live in or work in, multiple times a day, whereas the normal person may secrete it once a week, once Mm -hmm. a month. Mm -hmm. And so in pregnancy, on top of just pregnancy being a stressful, physiologically stressful situation on the woman's and person's body, Mm -hmm. you have to also experience just the daily secretions of cortisol. And we all know that stress mm -hmm. in pregnancy is just not favorable for the labor mothers. Right, for the mom and the baby. So essentially, the high levels of stress that African-American women are experiencing on a day-to-day basis prior to pregnancy already puts them Mm -hmm. at this higher stress level. Then they become pregnant Mm -hmm. and are having that level of stress, maybe even an additional stress of the pregnancy, Mm. but then probably more intrusiveness from society and people in general. I imagine, because mm-hmm. most pregnant women feel intruded upon in a lot of ways. Yes. So then the stress levels during pregnancy must be huge. Exactly. And a couple of side effects of just stress in pregnancy. Um, you see an increase of premature labor, in, mm-hmm. including premature birth, and things like preeclampsia, and hypertension, and things like stillbirth. And those are just some of the small side effects, I shouldn't say small, those are just some, a few of the side effects related to stress. And so we're seeing an increase of prematurity and preeclampsia in women of color. And thus, prematurity, especially if there's actual premature birth, is the highest cause for infant mortality. Wow. So just in terms of the birth disparities and the statistics that you mentioned earlier, I know I'm thinking of a mom who's pregnant who may or may not know about these statistics, but for sure feels the sting of racism every day on some level or multiple levels. And the level of stress, again, thinking of how this must be affecting her, her health, her mental health. And I mean, clearly there's very clear impacts on the health of the baby as well. What have you seen in terms of the effects on mental health, like stress and anxiety and depression, those kinds of things? This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube. And she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts. I've seen a ton of anxiety if they notice that before being pregnant for the first time, just around maintaining the pregnancy. But mm-hmm. most people don't know the stats before they're pregnant. Most people don't. The, the most recent, like currently, this is buzzwords. I'm at a conference right now, and that was one of the opening messages. The addressing the birth disparities and these shocking numbers is a hot topic. This has been affecting African Americans in this country for a while, and mm-hmm. without understanding the cost. Right. And it's constantly been pushed back on us that, you know, a lack of nutrition, a lack of adequate prenatal care, you're eating junk, stuff like that. So I don't think a lot of women realize if it's their first time being pregnant. Currently, Mm -hmm. my sister's pregnant. She didn't even know what I was doing a month ago. So, you know, (laughs) it's not on their radar. Mm -hmm. I do, however, see the impact on their mental health if they've had experienced a premature labor or birth the first time Mm -hmm. around and are pregnant for the second or third time. They're just more prone to anxiety and or depression because it has happened. Depression usually associated being right after the loss of the pregnancy Mm -hmm. because they're feeling that it was solely their fault. And anxiety if they're pregnant again because Mm -hmm. they've already lived through the traumatic experience of losing a child or just experiencing premature birth and baby living, but being in the NICU for X amount of time. Mm -hmm. So there's just a high association with anxiety because they've already lived through such traumatic experiences. The same if they had a beautiful, normal birth and a traumatic hospital experience, a home birth experience. The same things trigger once pregnant a second or third time. So I think that is where it really affects the mental health of the African-American woman, whether it's either inside of depression because they feel that it's their fault and they're just struggling with grief or because they are really struggling with doing everything right the second or third time to maintain the pregnancy and keep baby. That's so much pressure and they're already under so much stress and pressure. And, you know, one of the other things at the birth disparities event that the doulas that were on the panel and the other birth professionals were, t- were also talking about is the outright racism that moms are experiencing during birth and while at the mm-hmm. hospital, just mm-hmm. to give the listeners an understanding of some like real life contextual things that are impacting moms during birth. What are some examples of things that you've heard of or seen of for African-American moms dealing with during the birth process itself? During prenatal care and the birth process, I've seen women belittled and dismissed when asking questions about their care, when challenging the nurse or the OB or midwife regarding a decision they made or procedure they're offering. Stories were shared about people being physically assaulted during 
labor or after labor because they didn't choose what the OB or midwife suggested. I've just seen and heard of so many different things that just wouldn't blow over if the client or patient was white. Right. Without a lawsuit, at least. Right. Right. Absolutely. And this is just a sort of a slice of how those moms are being treated. And that's just at, you know, prenatal care or hospital. That's nothing. Yeah. And more subtle things are just lack of information. Even I currently have five close friends, including my sister and my best friend who are pregnant right now. And just hearing their care compared to the other three friends who are white and married, they are receiving significantly less information about what their blood is being drawn for, when they should see the doctor or midwife again. And so it's just even as I navigate experiencing pregnancy, pseudo-pregnancy with them, Mm -hmm. it's interesting to see how their care is drastically different from my friends who are not Black. And in your work as a doula, do you see this difference with the clients that you are supporting? actually only worked with two African-American clients as a doula, which is another just side of birth disparities. Quite frankly, I am very costly. And so when I applied to medical school, my personal statement was solely essentially about the fact that I was unaccessible to most of my community, to Mm -hmm. where I came from. Like people wouldn't pay for me. They just wouldn't. So of the two African-American families that I've worked with, I have not experienced any sense of treatment or any sense of this type of treatment, mostly because they were well prepared, highly educated, both married, privileged black people. Mm-hmm. And so also chose to give birth at two of the most respected hospitals in the nation. One was in North Carolina, one was in California. Mm-hmm. So they stacked the odds in their favor prenatally mm-hmm. before even getting into situations such as those I described in labor. Right. So, I mean, just that whole idea of stacking the odds in your favor just to be treated decently. I mean, that's extra work that African-American moms, whether it's conscious or kind of part of their daily life, are having to do to just be treated well. And, yeah, definitely. And that's not even like being pregnant. Then being pregnant on top of that while they're trying to care for themselves and their child who's not born yet. Yeah, definitely. I've done more work with teen moms, which is just another layer of a social disparity, being young mm-hmm. and parenting and childbirth. And so I've seen more there, but less with the presence of a birth doula. We tend to be a bit of a buffer yeah. for certain hospitals. So it's like, oh, you have someone, you have an advocate. So I'm not going to treat it as the person in the room beside you. You have someone who helps you ask questions and empowers you with information. Mm-hmm. So I've seen the beauty and power of birth support. And I know other birth students who've seen a ton more, but I tend to gear my clients up with a ton of resources where they're asking the appropriate questions and really advocating for themselves. I've definitely had, you know, dialogues that were more difficult than needed to be and would have been if the client was white. 
but I can't say or pretend from my personal experience that I've seen or witnessed the very extreme racial and birth disparities. Well, it's clearly out there and happening Mm -hmm. all the time. And, you know, for those of us who know that we need to be doing better, what should we be doing differently to support African-American mothers? A ton has been given, a ton of just options from if you're a clinical provider to someone who sits on a board. One, just hearing, listening to the mother mm-hmm. as she share her experience with her pregnancy, her home situation, how she's being treated. Mm-hmm. Feeling dismissed it causes people to shut down and not reach out for professional and healthcare early enough to actually prevent the more severe complications. So that's one just line of defense of that everyone's capable of doing is actually listening to what she's saying to you. Right. Other things is providing care that involves integrating her into her care. One of a black midwife in Florida who does amazing work among African-American, Hispanic, and Asian women. And in her practice, a lot of these disparities are severely reduced, and I would argue eliminated outside of normal realms of prematurity and other pregnancy complications. And what it boils down to is that every person of her staff, her staff are trained to provide empathetic care, Mm -hmm. meaning if this mom is late, You're not giving her grief about being late. You don't know what the bus situation was. You don't know how many kids she had to rally up. Moms in general just need a little extra grace period to get to places because they just have a lot going on. So that you're not even creating this dichotomy that makes her feel lesser than you. And given that we're people of color, just even if it wasn't blatant racism, it feels like that oppression of inferiority. And so just not even creating the atmosphere, leaving room for misconceptions for that to occur so that she feels safe. Safe enough to share, safe enough to call and ask questions. And just in that alone, she's decreased this, these disparities and statistics significantly. And so mm-hmm. like, those haven't even become medical interventions. Right. They are simply how to communicate with people. Yeah. Right. And these are and things that everybody can hurt. do. I should be doing. Everybody can do. Yeah. Exactly. Other things that still haven't even got to medical intervention. Yeah. Representation. Mm-hmm. Having great representation of people of color in healthcare positions helps other people of color feel accepted and included. Yeah. So just like we have a ton of women who prefer to see women, OBs, and midwives, Mm -hmm. the same with African-Americans, Asians, Hispanics. They want to see someone who looks like them. We just open up better. Tons of evidence show that representation matters. So that's another aspect of how to help. And that doesn't necessarily need to be on the clinical level. It can be on boards. Mm -hmm. Having someone of color sit on the policy committee making boards that can add to their perspective and really make changes that impact and include all people. And then just on the medical level of things, providing, taking the time to provide education. Mm-hmm. If this woman is predispositioned to be affected by premature labor and birth, making sure she knows some warning signs so that she can come in to receive things that can prevent it escalating to actual birth. Right. 
If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. The education is a big piece. If you know that she is African-American woman, a Hispanic woman, you know her diet is not completely adequate to just the same pregnancy, having a conversation with her, providing resources so she can get some better nutrition, just knowing basic knowledge of what the normal diet looks like among mm-hmm. African-American communities or Hispanic communities, and not necessarily just directly changing it because people don't change in nine months. They just right. don't change that quickly. Mm-hmm. But finding ways, creative ways to kind of just reinvent the meal she's making so that it's a balanced diet that is, that is more adequate for pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then just because that these women are just more at risk of experiencing premature labor and birth, hearing them when they give you minor details or minor sensations, mm-hmm. not necessarily jumping to conclusions, but mm-hmm. making mental notes, being on high alert to help keep her pregnant. Right. Whether that means offering progesterone shots and creams preventatively or as she gives you warning signs that she may be experiencing preterm signs and symptoms, but just being more on alert that this thing actually happens to these women, right. like believing the statistics. Right. As you said before, this like dismissing happens quite a bit. And it sounds like from what you're an example you were giving before, it's like a shaming people for, you know, whatever their circumstances or dismissing their concerns or minimizing the concerns that they're bringing to the doctor. It does not take rocket science to sit and listen to people and believe what they're saying. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, even from that micro level to the macro level as just as this is pertaining to this country. Like mm-hmm. the U.S. is ranked 26th 
in the world among industrialized developed countries. We have six deaths per 1,000 live births compared to Germany, who has two, um, Sweden, who has two, UK, who has four. You know, compared to our similar countries, we are ranked 26, the bottom of the bottom. And the wow. fact that we haven't made it a public crisis to address shows the underlining just level of we've dismissed you as a population of people. Yeah. So, I mean, that, as you said before, embarrassing, disgraceful. It's, this is a public health crisis. This is a, I think, from my perspective, a maternal mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of the things that we all need to be doing differently, as you stated before, there are things that don't take additional training and lots and lots of time to do. Just listening, holding the space for a mom to describe her concerns. I mean, if there's a mom who's coming in for treatment and she's inherently distrustful of the system for very good reasons, she's less likely to be describing any kind of concerns or being very careful about the concerns that she does say. So really the point that you're making about, you know, even if it's a relatively small sort of thing that she's sharing is to really pay attention to that. Because it might have been really, really hard for her to even bring it up. Exactly. Exactly. That is really, really key and really important. And it boils down to a lot of things that are happening in just women's health and Mm -hmm. maternal mental health right now. Mm It's just hearing the mother, hearing Mm -hmm. the person say what they need to say and building that trust so that they keep saying what they need to say, whether it's on the postpartum in mental health, like hearing her when she says, the thoughts that are coming in her mind about her, her baby, or her situation, hearing her mm-hmm. without giving any advice or suggestions, just hearing her, the same prenatally, the same among pregnant African-American people, like hearing them as they share things to build the trust that they continue to share so that at some point you can offer them the care that they need because you built that relationship with them. Right. It would be fantastic, too, if there are providers who are listening right now, if you're like reflecting on your own practice and you're not sure if you can provide this type of support, find people to refer to that would be good supports or that can be more in line with the kind of needs that a mom wants, that a woman of color needs. I mean, if we were all self-reflecting, though, this might not be as big of an issue. So Exactly. I mean, I do agree with finding some referring out, especially if it's going to risk this mom getting the, the appropriate care. But I also challenge you not to just refer out, to actually grow and make the changes necessary to serve her well. Absolutely. Like, it's not that easy. I'm not going to give you that out for it to be that easy where you just refer her to a Black provider because you don't want to or don't feel like you can deal with it. Challenge Absolutely. yourself to actually grow in that area as well. Absolutely. Yes. That is a great challenge, and I really hope that the providers who are listening can hear that and really take that in. I mean, if we're all here to, you know, sort of from the medical model, do no harm, if we're here Mm -hmm. to be helping people and supporting mothers on their journey to have healthy babies, then that self-reflection and that making change is part of your work. Yes, it is. Yeah. Thanks for that point. That is fantastic. And I really hope people can hear that from you. 
Thank you so much, Jessica, for this talk and your expertise and, you know, giving this information to the listeners. I really hope and everyone who's listening will be able to find where they can make change if they're able to and willing to self-reflect here and be the kind of support that African-American moms need, that their babies need. So in terms of your work and the work that you do and where you are in, on social media and on the internet, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on my website, www.jessicadiggs.com or on Instagram at Jessica A. Diggs. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So I'll put those contacts in the show notes so that people can access them from there. And I thank you so much for being on with us and sharing all this vital information. Thank you so much for having me and keeping this conversation going. Of course, yes. Thank you for listening today. As you can hear, there's so much work to do. If you're a healthcare provider or perinatal support person, please, as Jessica states, self-reflect and make changes that are supportive to African-American mothers and women of color. The health of the mother, the baby, and our society depend on how we treat each other. To learn more about Jessica, please visit www.jessicadiggs.com or on Instagram at Jessica A. Diggs. Thank you for joining us today. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Also, please subscribe and share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're gonna talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.